Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Today we're welcoming Brian Cunningham on his journey from parking lot attendant to CEO. Brian has studied the leadership experience at every level within a complex organization. As a lifelong student of leadership and an explorer of numerous paths of expanded awareness, Brian has sought to discover the deeper possibilities and foundational drivers of extraordinary leadership service. A key component of his purpose is to actively contribute to the revolution in leadership understanding and practice. This has led to the authoring of two books on the foundations of exceptional leadership and the development of the AQ or awareness quotient model of leadership development. Welcome to TNT, Brian, how are you today? Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you so much, Reese. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, welcome, Brian. It's been a long time coming and I'm really excited to dive into AQ, service, leadership, who knows, who cares? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brian, passion and obsession come very often from our personal experiences, from what we want to have impact on, what's on our heart and our mind. So we're really interested in you sharing how exceptional leadership, the foundational drivers, how all of this came about for you? I appreciate that question, Teresa. You know, it's, it's been a long road. And I, I think like most people, I grew up uh, slightly, well, more than slightly confused about life. Something just didn't seem right. You know, what I was being shown and taught, there was something more. I always had this feeling, probably like both of you, that there was something more going on. And so as I progressed along and got into my early 20s and started to widen, you know, what I was reading about and thinking about, it became clear to me there was much more going on in reality and that I was missing some key pieces. I felt, you know, compassionate towards others. And I had these deeper thoughts and feelings about life and our connection as human beings, but it wasn't really reflected in my environment and really the programming that I was surrounded by. So it was this long journey. And since we spend so much time in the workplace, that journey and that exploration played out in the workplace. The workplace is an interesting place. It, it mirrors life. There's no home life and work life. There's, there's just life. When you're at something 40 plus hours a week, starting in healthcare as a parking lot attendant, and I was growing up in healthcare, I was, was watching this leadership followership dynamic play out and these power struggles and needing to be right and needing to be in control. And it was just confusing to me. So I just stared at it. It's essentially what I did. Of course, I read a lot. I thought a lot. But what I mostly did is stared at it, looked at it, just sort of let it roll around in my mind and body and heart. Like what's really going on? That was the question that kept coming up. And it was really over a long period of time where I came to levels of understanding, as you guys know, you know, like peeling the onion. I'd think, oh, okay, I see. I, I see a little bit more of it. And then later on, I'd see a little bit more and a little bit more. And through this work, concurrently, as I was observing all this, I was doing my own inner work. I was reading a lot about personal growth and spirituality and 
and practicing, you know, what I was reading in a long time meditator, student of life, always watching, listening, learning, thinking, and then of course, not thinking. And some of the best insights come in those not thinking times. It was over time that I just got clear, Teresa and Reese, about why I was here. That was one of the big questions that you know, plagued so many of us. And it just became crystal clear that I was simply here to serve. I was here to serve whoever's in front of me in whatever way seemed the most appropriate. As I was going about my day, whether I was you know, in the parking lot or wheeling patients around this thousand bed hospital in Philadelphia you know, early on, I just started to connect with that greater purpose of why I was here to serve. Later on, you know, I moved into positions of expanded responsibility at some point, got into formal leadership roles. Um, but that thread of service was always the key theme. As you guys know, once you get clear about something like that, you know where it starts to go. The passion for service came from the clarity, increased awareness about who I am and, and why I'm here. And really, in a sense, who we all are and why we're all here. Although the expressions of service may be very different, the thread of that we are here connected as human beings here to serve each other, that's what I became clear around. So the passion for service comes from the awareness of who we are and why we're here or who I am and why I'm here. And that's one of the points I'd like to make, you know, as we talk, maybe Reese or Teresa about the awareness quotient model, this foundational element of our being and doing in the world. We can come at things backwards or outside in and say, you know, okay, well, what are the things we like and what are the things we're good at? You know, we can work things from the outside in and it's very effective, helps us get closer and closer and closer to who we really are and why we're here. Or we can work from the inside out work directly from awareness. And then all these other characteristics and values and interests flow out of that, the, the natural flow of who we are and why we're here in, in the world. It's really interesting when you're describing this uh, process, you know, you're talking about reading and learning and meditating, all these kind of external processes that you're kind of bringing inside. But then I was thinking, as you describe your different roles and, you know, pushing the the beds around the hospital I was thinking what an amazing place to have so many different people and personalities and experiences and all these kind of things just right in front of your face over and over every day year yeah. after year after year there's so much stuff you can read so much stuff you can hear and listen but there's nothing beats that experiential learning and the plateau and then the extension and then the clouds move and you go higher and you go higher and, yeah. and having that played out to you an environment like a hospital where literally life and death situations, obviously most of us in our day-to-day -day life are able to exist on an even keel, but maybe you deal with people who are, you know, terminally ill or facing the end. And it's often in that, in the research that I've done and reading books and things like Ramdas and talking about, you know, walking each other home and there's kind of idea yeah. about this end of life, freeing us from whatever it was that's kind of held us and made us, the outward persona picture that we portray to everyone else. It's only in that moment of kind of surrender and release that we really let go of any of those facades or any of those masks and things. And I'm wondering, well, I'm assuming, I'm believing that you being on in the coalface, if you like, seeing these people day in, day out, 
appreciate maybe your current role, you don't have quite so much opportunity to do that. But if you've worked your way through it, I'm wondering what that taught you, because you know, we can all read the books, we can all hear the um, hear the podcasts or whatever it might be. But you said that you felt like something was missing. And over the process of your evolution, you, you found an answer. Whilst I would love to believe that it was in a book or something you heard, and my heart is hoping that it was in a person, in, in an experience with an individual that really opened that door. Yeah, you're right on, Reese. And I think it's the same for all of us. We use tools and supports, books, other people. But it is through our experience that we integrate whatever it is we're reading or thinking or, or seeing out in the world. And, and you're, you're just right on. Your assumption is right on. Even as a transportation aid, wheeling patients around the hospital, we used to call ourselves transportologists. Um, <laughs> you know, I would be in the ER uh, picking up somebody who bullets in them. I'd be, you know, taking somebody out to their car who was just the birth of a child. You'd see death in the next moment. It is a very highly charged environment and you cannot help, even as a young, confused, you know, young man, I knew something was way different about what I was seeing and experiencing. And that did have a big impact. You know, I can remember early on, this is in, in the eighties, I was wheeling AIDS patients. I remember when the big AIDS epidemic came out and like most other people, I had some fear around that. And when I'd have to go take somebody somewhere and then, then to talk to people that were in that end stage of death from this disease at the time, they didn't really have a good handle on medically. Very powerful. The things people would say, and I think transportologists were like bartenders, right? You're just coming to take them here to there. People just open up to you. And some of the conversations that would happen on a daily basis, I was just in awe of, of what was going on. So yeah, it was the real experience of that every single day. That most certainly has an impact that then carries over into the rest of your life. Brian, there's many people in the health industry that also meet individuals day in and day out and perhaps don't adopt the, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be aiming for, who I am and why I'm here. The integration of what they hear from other people who are facing their own mortality in that moment so I'm wondering if there is an attribute you've been able to identify about yourself that might separate, and not just in the health industry, separate anyone from, sure, I see it, I hear it, people are telling me about it, and then the integration into to then guide us on our path towards our own knowing and being compared to perhaps what attribute might be missing that the assimilation or integration doesn't occur. You know, Teresa, great question. I've thought a lot about that one. I've explored that one over time. And every question you guys ask in this dialogue just expands us further into larger perspective of reality, expanded awareness. And this is a big one right here. And as you think about those kind of things, there's, there's a couple of conclusions that will typically get drawn. And, you know, one might be, well, I'm just, I had a certain unique upbringing or something. There's most certainly truth to that or smarter, or more committed, or I meditated harder, those kind of answers. But I truly believe concept of this natural developmental progression of life. We are all on this developmental progression, maybe just at different stages of the journey. This happens across everybody's life. It happens in every sport, 
in every game, in every hobby, this concept of developmental progression. We need to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. All of our schooling is based on developmental progression. Everything builds on something. I'll just say this quite openly. We can look at it across a singular lifetime and see how maybe at this point, I drew this conclusion because of my developmental progression. We can look at it across a 10-year period. We can look at it across a lifetime. We can even expand it out from there across numerous lifetimes. So when we ask or see, you know, why did that person, quote, get it sooner? Our present experiences definitely contribute to that. Our genetics, our talents, the books we're reading, all of that. But I believe there's something bigger at play to all of this. When you ask, you know, why maybe did that happen? I could look back and go, well, you know, when I was 16, something happened and or I have this natural ability with something. And I think these larger perspectives of reality are the big levelers of who we are as human beings. We really truly are capable of the same levels of, of expression. And it's just merely a matter of time and experience and, and insight and awareness. And that happens as a natural result of our journey along this developmental progression. Not sideways at all. I actually really love that. It reminds me in physics class. I think so. I think it was physics. Energy is neither <laughs> created nor destroyed. Yeah, it's simply yeah. recycled into something else. And so in my own personal spiritual exploration, this was one of the things was the integration of what we know scientifically to them, what we know spiritually. Yes. And that was a really good personal evolution point as well. Got it. And so whether somebody perceives things as a singular lifetime, it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. The developmental progression that I moved through in part because of nature and nurture and all that, all the programming, my personal, uh, you know, readings and, and interest. And some things happen by, you know, quote, accident. I trip into a certain book or I trip into a certain person, you know, and all of that adds to the, the whole picture. So very difficult for me to pick out a time where I had this, you know, because I did this or because this happened, I had this flash. It really is the accumulation of experience and knowledge and emotion and awareness over a long period of time. Yeah, I agree. I think that everyone has the same potential. Everyone has the same ability. Everyone has that opportunity. And it's a question of commitment or it's a question of fortune or it's a question of dedication and I think that you know that presumably would have been confirmed you know when you're seeing all these different people in, in, in the hospital they're all you know from all across the spectrum and everyone's showing you these different things so it probably shows you in, in reality uh, it's, it's not only this certain special person who can do this everyone has this at some point whether you connect to it at age 16 or whether you connect to it in the hospital on your deathbed at age 76 so yeah um, all right, let's dive into the AQ a little bit here because I've been following your posts uh, on LinkedIn and I know I think there's either three or four stages that you say you can correct me, I'm sure. The first one is about the internal, the second is the external, the third is the integration, which we've obviously been talking a lot about that now. Can yeah. you give us a little rundown of AQ? So AQ awareness quotient is a model, right, to help us to understand it. It points at some things. It is made up of our internal environment and that's big. Some people might call that self-awareness, our internal environment. And, and, and the definition is, well, you know, we understand our strengths and our weaknesses. So this is the exploration of our beliefs, our thoughts and feelings and emotions, right? This 
the series of events that occurs and our bodily sensations and then how we express that. So it goes back to the sort of our core programming, our beliefs, and also what forms those. So the internal environment is big and it's important. External environment is all those other humans out there, right? And all of their belief structures, very complex. It includes our environment, our local environment, nature, the cosmos, the, the whole thing. And also very importantly, our key social constructs, the meaning making that we are programmed into, our major institutions, school, government, religion, all of these have an impact on us. So the deeper we understand and perceive this external environment for what it really is, the more acceptance we have of this external reality. We don't have to fight with it anymore. So internal, external. This is an important one, the next one you mentioned, the integration between the two. You know, we can all sit in a cave somewhere and meditate on our navel, right? And come to deep awareness about who we are as a human being inside. We can know all the secrets of our internal world. But it is not until we engage with it, this third piece, how we dance with this interplay, this overlap between internal and external, that we can really start to move through life with much more ease and grace. So this is the dance with the world and how we move with our creativity and compassion and awareness and acceptance of reality. We can either fight with this thing or we can understand it. And then the fourth element is clarity of the deeper purpose of life itself. This is really the exploration, the experience with our fundamental source of our being and doing. You know, so some people will label this as, you know, SQ, you've heard that term, spiritual quotient. But the awareness quotient model attempts to illuminate the foundation for our experience in life. Our experience is either an internal experience, an external experience, an integrative experience in this interplay when we're shaking hands or dancing or working through a project or helping each other with something, right? The, the, the integration and all infused by this deeper purpose of life itself. Which is what I was thinking about because I'm like, yeah, so we arrive at integration and we haven't done our progressive development in our <laughs> internal nor yeah. our progressive development and understanding the external uh, yes. Maybe not even just understanding, well, not maybe, not just understanding from an intellectual standpoint, also understanding from an emotional standpoint and a compassion standpoint. Yes. So that when we integrate, we can integrate this dance with humanity as a beautiful dance to experience. Yes. More often than not, it's a rather painful dance to experience. Yes. Teresa, that, your point is well made. That's it. If we have not done our work on the internal element then understanding others, we won't be able to take that next step and integrate with grace and ease. Then you see what we see in the United States, these battles for control, these battles for being right. Mm -hmm. And they're playing out everywhere. They play out in the microcosm, in many families, in many groups, teams, organization, workplaces, government, education. And it's fundamentally because of what you just illuminated, Teresa. Um, so, okay, so let's marry the two subjects here. We're talking about leadership, we're talking about AQ. So I wanted to understand yeah. how improving one's AQ would turn one into an exceptional leader. Thanks, Reese. So 
in using our awareness as a primary tool, right? We can learn, we can learn leadership from books, right? Step one, two, three, four. There's so many great books out there. We can look at other stories, case studies, and learn from that and try to play those out in our specific scenarios. But very often as the complexity of our reality increases, those approaches where we take somebody else's story or experience or book, and we try to shoehorn it into our organization or our complex scenario, they don't work as much anymore. And this is the sort of the key point around the developmental progression. There's this developmental progression in life, in our growth as a human being, and of course, in leadership. Society is also a reflection of this. So as society becomes more complex, it calls forth more expanded perspectives of leadership to match that complexity. And where there is a gap between the complexity of the environment and our ability to understand that and modify our approach, that's where we will have these ongoing lingering problems. Society is exponentially moving forward. And our understanding of that, especially applied to leadership, is not keeping pace. It's interesting, in every sport, there's an understanding of the developmental progression, how you train somebody from like Sandlot, peewee football, whatever, all the way up to the pros. Every sport, every game, chess, checkers, every hobby, right? You start out at the basics, except for leadership. Leadership is this strange anomaly where, as you know, you get put into a leadership position and all of a sudden it's like, okay, go lead. And people are constantly just thrown into the fire to figure this out. So it's a funny thing. And so the importance of the AQ, back to your question, Reese, is we can use our awareness itself. We can work with intelligence. We can work directly with our emotions to create more productive relationships. And we can work directly with our awareness itself. And what this does for us is allows us to see into the subtlety of the complexity we're dealing with. People still look at things, you know, binary choices, black, white, and there's all this subtlety emerging in complexity. The deeper our awareness is, the more expanded our perception, we can now see all of these little subtle elements in the issue itself, the, the people that we're working with, and we're able to then step in and work directly with this subtlety and complexity to create the results, create the experiences for those we serve. Awareness gives us insight direct insight in the here and now. You're constantly perceiving new information as it emerges out of the background. And this is what allows us to make subtle adjustments. It's the really subtle adjustments that people make in real time that create the difference between, Teresa, I forget one of your articles talks about that Shuha re-approach, that, that, that progression from beginner to beginner, to maturity, to mastery. It's the same thing in leadership. And this happens through our expansion of awareness. And so this is what it does for us, Reese. Helps us to see deeply into reality. And then as a leader, our number one responsibility is to discern that reality, not the illusion, not the assumption, and address that directly. That's how we become an extraordinary leader. You're reminding me, Brian, of the learning cycle. So I spent a number of years leading learning and development. And one of the things that was incredibly important is when you're designing learning is to help the learner 
voluntarily choose to be in the learning cycle, which is mm -hmm. I'm going to go and try something well, or I'm going to practice something I already know how to do and I'll get a result from that interaction. And if I'm in the learning cycle, when I get the result, I'm going to spend some time reflecting on the result, seeking feedback from other people's experiences. And when I do that, then I have an opportunity of an adjustment period, an adjustment of integration of my own reflection and other people's feedback, which will then influence the next time I go to practice it or give it a try or whatever. And that reflection feedback could also be that I've decided to read a book or listen to a podcast or have a conversation with a peer or be mentored by someone or be coached by someone. I mean, the learning cycle doesn't mean I just did something and 30 seconds later, I've learned something new. I'm going to apply it again. There could, it yeah. could be a lot longer of a cycle. Yes. But the consistency of knowing that the evolution is to be at the center of that learning cycle ongoing because we will receive the lessons from the internal space, from the external space. And if we can learn to integrate those for our next iteration, as you called it, which is such a great word to use, then in all likelihood, at whatever pace we happen to be traversing the path forward to whatever is waiting for us along the path. I don't necessarily personally believe there's the end of the path because that would mm. indicate there's a limit to our potential. Agreed. And I prefer Agreed. to go like, sky's the limit. And I don't even yep. know where that ends. I think you're exactly right. The learning cycle. Again, these are, these are known sort of approaches to teaching and learning. This, this kind of stuff is available to us in various elements of our world, just not in leadership. So it's the right. application of that learning theory to leadership. I, and I would add the one additional element when working with awareness. And I'll give an example. You guys are young. You may not have been around in those 80s. There were these posters that used to come out. And they were these posters filled with all these colored dots. And you stare at them. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, at some point, when you play with your perception, all of a sudden, like a dolphin would emerge or a turtle or something. A minute ago, it was just a field of dots. And now you could see the dolphin. And once you could see it, you could not unsee it. And so this is the interesting element of working with awareness directly. We are seeing or perceiving these subtle cues from the external environment, learning through this integration, this dance constantly course correcting, evolving, informed through our connection with the deeper purpose of life. But when working with awareness directly, awareness will also give you insights and information. They just sort of emerge out of the background, different than seeing sort of a subtle cue in the environment with somebody's behavior or somebody's consistent habits. So that other element of our awareness these subtle insights will come and we get to incorporate those. We get to look at those, Teresa, also and examine them in light of what's happening in our reality, in light of our commitment to serving others. Firstly, I love that you reminded me about the magic eye pictures. Um, yes. That's what we call them here. They were still around in the 90s, so I remember them. <laughs> it's such a great analogy. Yeah, the fact that you know, you're staring at something, this is what I perceive, this is what I think true, and then suddenly it shifts. And then, as you rightly said, you can't unsee it. So the for the model of the four things that we talked about, so we, we kind of describe them one, two, three, four, and maybe it sounds like they're you start at number one and you follow it like a 
a linear kind of progression in typical. But for me, I believe that it would, you know, they're all integrated. And, and if you get That's to true. a certain level that you can do that. So Teresa said, and you batted up, she said, if I haven't done that initial work, and let's just start with the internal stuff, I can't guarantee that I will be able to, you know, push forward in each of the other sequential areas. So I'm um, hashtag not anymore golden nugget. I'm wondering if you could share with some of our listeners some basic practices or principles that they could start doing if they've been intrigued by what you've shared. Obviously, they can read your book, but also it's something that we like to give people inspiration so that they can go from thinking to doing to being. It's quite simple. The practice is deceptively simple, and it really is about just noticing what's going on. There are so many meditative practices not maybe strict meditation, but meditative practices. And anything can be a meditative practice. Sitting in formal lotus position, fly fishing, or bike riding, or running, Teresa. These are meditative practices. The practices happen in real life. We can do separate practices, but when your practice becomes your reality, observe your internal environment while you're at work, while you're in a meeting. Just observe. That's it. Put your attention on it, place your attention, and work with your focus. Our attention is like a video camera that we can learn to point in the direction of our vision and dream. If our video camera is all over the place, shiny object, squirrel, whatever, it's hard for us to integrate information. So once we play with our attention and we develop the ability to hold it in place, the lens of our video camera, where we can dial down into discrete detail or back it out, and see a wider viewpoint and look at the interrelationships between what we are pointing at with our attention, within our awareness. So we simply work with these elements. Our attention points us in the right direction. Our focus helps us to extract more information out of a scene. So that's literally all we need to do. When I give my clients this exercise, because, you know, self-awareness is the foundation in emotional intelligence development is first you have to be aware of what's actually going on within you as far as how you're feeling what you're thinking about what your beliefs are how your values are showing up a lot of the times the pace of simply observing and doing nothing yet is Mm -hmm. difficult for them because as soon as they start to be aware then comes the oh my god (laughs) yeah oh my God, I can't believe like all of this is going on inside of me. I need to stop that right away. I need to fix that right away. I need to change that right away. And one of the things I really love about your prompt to just keep noticing is as you notice, 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 the intensity at how you feel about what you're noticing will start to diminish a little bit. We need to get into that space where we're not emotionally charged up by what we notice so that when we are objectively looking at it, what we decide we want to do about it is a much more polished version. And it's also more accurate problem solving for how we want to navigate forward instead of perhaps built on the impulse of, I don't like this, let me just stop and let me change doing something different. Our solutions aren't usually as well articulated in that case. Very much agree, yes. Yeah, I think there's a few things that you said that really resonate with me. There was this idea that um, the word you kept using was subtlety. And then for me, it's the, the word I use is nuances. So yeah. we actually a picture but or, or we have an experience and it's the 
model A, I see this picture, this means A, B, C, D, I, I do this, mm -hmm. cause and effect, all these kind of things that what I've learned, what I've been taught, and this is what I reproduce. And then as you develop this uh, awareness, maybe you're in a leadership position, maybe you're not, you are able to see the perspective from start to finish, you're able to kind of rotate it, you're able to do this 360, mm -hmm. like Teresa always used to tell me, and see this ball from all sides rather than just seeing what's straight in front of you. So you can perceive every different thing, and then you can add different people onto that sort of scenario as the skill builds you're able to see other people's perceptions or you're able to appreciate them as well. And you and then you start to integrate everyone else's into your own thoughts. And it made me think about old school photography, like when you take a picture and you go through all the different stages and you put it into um, a silver nitrate or some, whatever it was, I can't quite remember, but a negative or a slight image, and then you go to the next process. And, and, and as you go further along the process, suddenly this whole picture appears and it's the yeah. beautiful thing that everyone can appreciate. But you can see that end point from the start and it's about i guess the trick is trying to be able to share that or teach people or, or even just model that kind of ability which hopefully in the leadership position will give you that purpose i think you know we're talking about level four now of the of the model the the clarity the depth the perception when i was looking at the first four i was thinking oh internal stuff so that'll elevate me as an individual to maybe get the promotion then if i get the external stuff right maybe i'll become the manager and then maybe when i can integrate it all i'll be the leader but i won't be the global ceo of a worldwide organization until i can master number four so just wanted to add that all right before we run out of time how can people get in touch with you brian I'm most active on LinkedIn, so please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to have a conversation. I do have a website um, with just some basic information and a blog, and that's awarenessquotientleadership.com. That's one word. Perfect. Okay, so we like to finish the uh, episodes with our rapid-fire Q&A. Five questions. Are you ready, Brian? I am ready. Number one, which emotion catches you off guard most often? I would say most often it is most certainly fear. Fear will catch me at times in the middle of the night or sometime. Did I perceive all of the variables in this situation? Did I weight them appropriately? Did I prioritize them appropriately? Did I make the next best decision based on my awareness of all the variables? Okay, so that leads nicely to the next question. What do you do to regulate that fear in the moment? As you guys know, sometimes fear is trying to teach us something. So yep. it's like, okay, fear, let's play. And I'll let it run. And I'll look at it. What is it showing me? Is there something real in there? Or is it just one of those made up kind of things? And so I look at it and process through and not agonize over it, just play with all the variables. And I'll look for that, again, next iteration. Well, I can tweak it a little bit more. So I play with it. It, it may be there to teach me something. Wonderful. So number three, what's next on your personal evolution? Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not sure what that is, right? You know, I'm committed to the path. I'm committed to learning and growing. And I'm waiting for that next thing to emerge. You know, I'm very content with serving and contributing and hanging out with inspiring people like you all. Indeed. Service is bliss. Yeah, thank you. Okay, number four, when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? Um, I usually will say I'm here with you and I love you. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, let me just go back quickly to your answer to number three, because I was be remiss if I didn't say what a beautiful answer. 
usually people are so obsessed with attached to an idea like this is me this is my ego this is what I want to do this is my goal and everyone's like oh, well done we've got a goal congratulations but when you just <laughs> said no I've just surrendered to that I'll just you know let go of the bank let the let the river flow and see what comes confident yeah. and reassured that whatever is what was meant to come for me in this moment I concur I mean, there was so much that has been shared and I realize we have one more question in the rapid fire Q&A. And I just wanted to be able to say that even of all of this amazing stuff that you have shared with us, the answer to that one is the one I'm taking personally with me to be able to say, release that there's a goal and instead trust that it will appear when you're ready to see it. Yeah. So thank you for that, it was beautiful. Okay, last but not least, in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? You know, that's sort of related to question three. You know, w- once you're on the path, you know, it's, it's just going and you're just open and uh, alive with it. My hope is that I continue to be able to, to dance on this path with you all. I don't have some prediction. I'm hopeful that COVID goes away or we get back to normal or the new normal. Once your feet are on the path and you know that, even though you know we have so much farther to go, mm-hmm. we're just scratching the surface just a sense that we're on the path most of that other stuff sort of goes away those expectations around those kind of things very true brian thank you so much i really enjoyed exploring the realms of exceptional leadership and uh, awareness quotient thank you so much for sharing all your your wisdom with our listeners um thank you for joining tq and i and joining our alumni what a, what a pleasure thank you all so much for your service to the world as individuals and of course in this collaboration that you all have created thank you so much greatly appreciate you brian thank you thanks for listening to this episode of tnt please share subscribe rate and review and when you're ready for your personal evolution check out reese at trueselfcoaching.com and for your emotional intelligence revolution check out teresa at iqeqtq.com